0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post game live here in the 2022 23 season on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. We're also all available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And obviously, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Ooh, in this one, this is going to be a lakers centric episode. As you see, High above courtside at the Stateless Center with the Laker court behind me, even though I'm decked out in clipper gear, as always, head to toe. Going to be talking about the Lakers' last four games. It's been four straight wins. And it's been about two weeks since I've talked about the Lakers, so I'm going to get into it. LeBron James coming back into the lineup for the Lakers, starting with that Chicago Bulls game on Sunday. Not the two days ago Sunday, but about nine days ago. Before we get into the actual live, let's take a look at the comments. People joining right now via YouTube, via Twitter. Nyona T says, Dime, that game took 10 years off my life. Yeah, it was a crazy one. Going to be talking about that. He's referring to the Lakers and the Utah Jazz. That was tonight. Tony PR says, I made diamond tonight. Congratulations, bro. Erod, haven't heard about him, heard from him in a while. Says let's get it in all seriousness. That should not have gone to OT. And I also got to give a shout out to my LA Kings, the best team in LA over the course of this year consistently, and they clinched the playoffs a couple of days ago. They are I believe the second best team in the West right now record-wise, and I can't wait for some Kings hockey playoffs even though I'm kind of a casual when it comes to hockey, kind of is an understatement, I'm a casual. I love the Kings. I knew their roster front and back when we were winning Cups. And I'm definitely going to be watching all the games. So even though I'm not going to be able to, like I'm not a guy that's going to give hockey analysis, nor do I think you guys want that because it's a basketball channel. But it's also an L.A. sports channel. So I'm still going to be reacting, talking about how I feel about the Kings, how they're playing, going into the next games and stuff. Because this is an L.A. sports channel. And you best believe there's going to be some Kings coverage on this channel this uh, this spring as well with the playoffs approaching i'll probably go to a game get a playoff hockey vlog that's gonna be electric and uh yeah the further we go the more buzz on this channel but let's look at the other comments i got a super chat i really want to Say thank you to Kratos for sending in the Super Chat. Remember, Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Anything helps your boy. He says, I'm curious if load management is essential. Otherwise, players would die playing basketball. Why don't role players get the same treatment? Aren't they at risk as well? Or do injuries only happen to stars? The answer to that question is money. Money. You're absolutely right. The role players are at risk. Just as much at risk. If not more, since they don't seem to get those rest days. They don't carry as much weight on the court. Some of them don't have to do as much on the court. But playing every game, all that is absolutely tough. The difference is, if somebody like Ivica Zubac gets injured, it's an $11 million player. It's an $11 million asset. Kawhi Leonard or Paul George gets a serious injury, that's a $40 million player. And now teams aren't going to want that contract. So that's really what it comes down to. Jose C says Clippers should pray they lose because that fifth seed against the Suns is an automatic L in the first round. What makes you say that? You really that you believe in the Suns that much? Your average cult survivor says Lakers were looking ahead to tomorrow's game. They really played with their food tonight. Max Anderson says we come in for y'all, Flippers fans. Prepare to lose. Jokes aside, let's have a good game, y'all. Yeah, still using flippers in 2023. Um. Anyway. First of all, Big Baby Sports says this is the Clippers NBA Finals Game 7. It's going to be a good game. No, it's not. We've played in much bigger games than this regular season game. Let's stop acting like this is 2004. Anyway, so let's get right into it. The Clippers, I'm sorry, the Lakers and the Chicago Bulls was the first game I observed. LeBron came back, and he still was on a kind of a minutes restriction, only played 30 minutes, and came off the bench, which he's only done once in his career before. That was in the 2007-8 season. And the Bulls honestly played amazing. They were hitting threes. DeRozan was hitting contested threes. And Anthony Davis wasn't really aggressive enough. They were doubling a good amount. And the Lakers, you know, shot 36% from three, but Chicago shot 45% from three. And the Lakers turned the ball over 18 times to the Bulls' nine. At the end, Patrick Beverly hit his little patented fake pivot turn push shot and did the too small sign to one LeBron James, and he felt the payback for that one when the Lakers went to Chicago to play against the Bulls and gave them a taste of their own medicine. It was a complete response. Anthony Davis was dominant, and I've been saying many times this season, I believe this is the, the best season AD has had since 2019-20. His second best season in a Laker uniform. He's been an absolute force on both ends. He's been more aggressive than the last two seasons. And it's just amazing what a difference he makes when he's engaged, when he's locked in, when he's fully healthy. And right now he's playing really good basketball. And he was awesome in his you know return home to Chicago. Always good at homecoming game for AD dominated the Lakers were up 11 after the first quarter and ended with an 11 point win they were up for the majority of the game Anthony Davis responded with an absolute colossus performance 38 points nine boards four assists two steals and two blocks in 39 minutes yeah, 13 for 20 from the field and LeBron started looking more like himself in that one. 25 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists and 2 steals on 10 for 19 shooting. And D'Angelo Russell was also just awesome. 17-4 four and 4. Austin Reeves with 19. So four guys with 17 or more points for the Lakers. Their defense, including Rui Hachimura, who had before the before this game, like three really solid defensive games in a row. I was very impressed. With the way he was defending and just using his size to deter guys and, you know, making himself big. And he is a big dude. But the Lakers winning 121-110, to 110, that was in Chicago. That was the beginning of their four-game road trip, which would be a four-game winning streak. The Minnesota game was really hyped up. I mean, I actually watched that game on the Wolves Network And you should have heard the buzz that they were talking with, you know, going into that game, how important it was for both teams. And the crowd was really into it. And I thought the Lakers approached the game the right way, defending well. And somebody I got to give a shout out to. I know at times he gets a lot of shit because Darvin Ham really, really plays him a lot, seems to really love this guy. But Dennis Schroeder, the guy plays really hard. You know, he makes hustle plays He'll come up with a big rebound, a big steal when the Lakers need it. He's been good in some games closing, a good amount of games, in fact. And the way he picks up 94 feet, it really does add some pressure to the opposing team. It just makes other guys work. And I thought that he was really solid in that uh, Minnesota game. But again, I thought it was the defense of one anthony davis the overall presence of one anthony davis who had an injury scare in this game i think it was his ankle that twisted and it looked like the lakers were in trouble but and it was a very close neck and neck game the whole way you know the lakers were only down two after one but they were actually down 10 at halftime to the wolves but the third quarter was all lakers 35 to 18 and it was a really bad stretch for my boy jordan mclaughlin who obviously is my favorite college player of all time, but he wasn't being guarded, and it was the first time in my life where I've seen J-Mac look like he was not good enough to be on the floor. And that's just all confidence, you know. He needs to make those open shots. The Lakers were completely ignoring him, and it was like multiple possessions in a row where he couldn't score. And I talked about it in my, you know, one of the things I've been doing is I'm trying to watch a game from like 17, 18 teams, basically the teams that are in play in contention or playoff contention, on their local broadcast before the playoff start, just so I get a feel at where the team's at from their local announcers. First one I did was Toronto, and I talked about that on one of these lives. I also did the Knicks after that, and I talked about them against the Wolves on a live. But I recently did the Phoenix Suns, who... I did Kevin Durant's return game, and they won. But they weren't that convincing, and it looked pretty easy. They've won two games since then, and I believe they are... 6-0 and with Kevin Durant, which is impressive, but... The only really you know, impressive win that I kind of want to watch is that Thunder game. Although, the, the Dallas game was good. The one they won in Dallas before KD got hurt. But I still want to see more. You know, For me to say they're going to win the championship, obviously they're building that chemistry. But they've only got about two games left. And they're not going to be easy. And we'll see. I mean, they'll probably wrap up the four seed if they haven't yet. I don't know if they did tonight or not. But if they haven't done it yet, they're going to do it in the next game. And... The Phoenix Suns are definitely dangerous going into the playoffs, but I didn't notice much from them in that particular game. A huge point of emphasis for them is their bench. So have an, you know keep an eye out on that. Performances of guys like Campaign. And then obviously Josh Okogie has been that fifth starter. He's been really underrated this season. He plays good defense. He's athletic. And he's going to be a guy that guards the other team's best players a lot. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, I probably will watch the Thunder game and use that as my Thunder watch on the Thunders network. But the Suns weren't too crazy. You know, in that game. But they were 4-0, just beat the Spurs tonight. So they're continuing to roll and gain chemistry playing together. And look, it's pretty easy to play with Kevin Durant. And he doesn't really hold the ball that long. But speaking of holding the ball long, my next experiment was the Dallas Mavericks. And I think I'll probably save I mean, I did a whole little video on them. Check it out, by the way. I posted on the channel about two days ago about the Mavericks and just everything that's going wrong with them. But with the Thunder losing, they still have a chance. Problem is the Thunder have the tiebreaker with the Mavs. And a huge reason that is is because the Mavs blew a game early in the season against the Thunder in Dallas where they were up by like 10 to 15 points with like three minutes left and blew it in overtime. Such a bad loss. And sometimes you think those losses early in the season don't matter, but they absolutely do matter. Let's continue with the Lakers, though, in this game. You know, LeBron was pretty good, but he still wasn't shooting that great. I still think he was making the right plays. I thought D'Lo was really good, 12 points, 10 assists. In his return to Minnesota, and he got a nice little ovation before the game. Uh, Mike Conley, I want to say, is playing really well for the Wolves. He's been a little better than I expected, and I kind of see the angle that they were going with the trade, especially if Mike. Con- uh, I'm sorry, if D'Lo and Gobert weren't getting along. You know, you bring in Conley, who's already played with Gobert. He's experienced. You know, that team is full of kind of younger guys, but you bring in Gobert and Conley now, who have experience, who've been deep in the playoffs, especially in Conley's case. He's been to the conference finals. So it's good to have somebody that's more of a vet and won't take as many shots away from Anthony Edwards uh, and Carl anthony Towns, which D'Lo would do. So I think, honestly, it wasn't a terrible trade, especially because they're going to, you know, be in the predicament to pay D'Lo. And I don't, know, I don't know Conley's contract situation, but it was a decent trade. I don't think it made them any worse. I don't think it really made them any better though. And Carl Anthony Towns coming back now complicates things a little bit. Like I'm watching this game and Carl Anthony Towns still does the same bullshit. Granted, Granted he's only played like 24 games this year. But where he stands at the three-point line to try to face up against smaller guys. And smaller guys being like wings and stuff. I'm not talking like pipsqueak guards. They're pulling wings on him. And when he puts the ball on the floor and faces up, he's taking his advantage away. We talk about this all the time. Charles Barkley, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, they're always critical of these big men doing this shit. And they're not wrong in this case. He gets the ball at the top of the key. It's so much easier to load up. It's easier for him to lose the ball. You know, it's harder for the, t- for the defense to hard double. Where when he gets the ball in the mid-post on the low block, he garners that double and makes good plays. And he was finding guys for open threes. But when he catches the ball out there, he's not helping anybody. And I didn't just watch their game against the Lakers. I watched their game against the Blazers as well. And Carl Anthony Towns legit got like three shot attempts up. He got to the line a good amount, but legit three-shot attempts. And Gobert, he still has the problem at the end of games where teams will switch everything and he can't take advantage of a mismatch. He's trying to seal. The teammates don't respect him. He doesn't actually seal with a purpose. He doesn't seal with, oh, give me the ball, I'm about to score. So, I don't know. The Wolves are fraudulent to me. Anthony Edwards is a stud, but they're pretty weak depth-wise. Even though I love J-Mac, he's still kind of a below-average backup point guard because it's like, for me, I'm just happy he's in the league. Torian Prince, super inconsistent. Sometimes he looks like a championship-quality role player. Other times, he looks like he doesn't even belong in rotations. But, yeah, the Wolves, I think they're a little fraudulent. And now, you know, they were playing really well. They've lost three games in a row. Nas Reed is out. He was their best bench player all season. And so now you have to deal with getting Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, you know, familiar with one another again. They only played, you know, they played less than 30 games, and they will end playing less than 30 games uh, by the end of the season. And you saw how that hurt. Anthony Davis, in the fourth quarter, had like 19 points. He was absolutely dominating Carl Anthony Towns. One dribble into the lane, one-handed push shots, turnarounds, little jump hooks. AD's mid-range has also been looking better of late. He was dominant to close the game. And obviously, you're going to have big plays coming from guys like Schroeder. Malik Beasley also only played 10 minutes in that Wolves game. But he was 3-for-5 from uh, the field and 3-for-4 from deep. 9.6 rebounds. In 10 minutes of play, you'll absolutely take that from Beasley. And weirdly, against the Wolves, only 23 minutes from Dennis Schroeder, and you got 11.6 assists and two steals from him on three for four shooting and five for six from the line. So you'll take that all day. Jared Vanderbilt also was pretty solid in that game with 12 points, five rebounds and two steals on five for eight from the field and two for two from deep. So you'll see recently a lot of teams just leave Vando open. He needs to make defenses pay. And another way besides making that open three that he's been making these defenses pay is crashing the offensive glass. He's super long. He's got great athleticism, really good bounce. He's been doing a good job crashing the boards. And I think that Ham honestly underutilizes him a bit. But the Lakers, with a big win in Minnesota, one twenty-three to one eleven. Anthony Davis with a Shaquille O'Neal-like stat line: thirty-eight points, seventeen rebounds, and two blocks on fifteen for twenty-six shooting. Only two three-point attempts and missed them both. I like that he only shot two threes. Eight for ten from the line. The ten foul shot attempts led all Laker players. LeBron: eighteen points, ten rebounds, six assists, two blocks. I think LeBron, honestly, for the most part, besides the fourth quarter and overtime of the Utah game that I'm about to talk about has been pretty weak defensively. He gets blown by fairly easily. He stands around on the block a lot and watches. And a lot of young guys just take it to him, and he doesn't even jump. But I know he's still conserving energy. We'll see what kind of defensive LeBron we get in the playoffs. Because the last time we saw him, he was playing defense until AD went down, and then he just stopped playing defense. So (laughs) we'll see. I mean, LeBron hasn't played good defense to me consistently since before Solomon Hill fell on his ankle. So... We'll see what happens in the playoffs. Other than that, though, it's still really good as a Laker fan to have him back. You know, all five starters for the Lakers in that Minnesota game were in double figures. D'Lo with 12, Austin Reeves with 15, LeBron 18, Vando 12, AD 38. Lakers come up with another win. That's 123 to 111. And then the, win, the one game I didn't watch was the Houston game. You knew that was going to be an automatic win. The Lakers, you know, it started out fairly even, but then they kind of blew the doors open. They beat him 134 to 109 the second it's funny the lakers were up by 14 after one up by 10 at halftime and then in the second half they outscored the rockets 64 to 49 anthony davis with another another masterclass in that one 40 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks and zero turnovers on an incredible 15 for 20 from the field. I mean, come on. 75% that's ridiculous, and LeBron with a triple-double, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists on 8-for-18 eight shooting, but did not have a good night shooting the three-ball, 1-for-7 from deep, and D'Angelo Russell did not play in the second half with a foot injury, I think it may be that same one that's been bothering him, but I thought it may have been an ankle injury, D'Angelo's just been having these little nagging injuries, or little injuries that have caused him to miss games, they're being extremely cautious with him, but... That makes me kind of feel a little bit more vindicated when I said the Clippers, Westbrook was a better fit for the Clippers than D'Lo. We also needed availability, and D'Lo has not been fairly available. I don't think he, LeBron, and AD have lost a game together yet. Um, And yeah, he came out in the second half. Austin Reeves, 18 points and 8 assists in that one. He's been getting so much better handling the ball in the pick and roll. 4 for 7 from the field and 9 for 10 from the line. He has started to just make it a science. Some people think it's absolutely ridiculous how often he gets to the line. And Malik Beasley also, he had 13 points, but he didn't shoot very well, 3 for 11 from deep, but the star against Houston besides Anthony Davis was another fantastic performance by Rui Hachimura off the bench. 20 points, 12 rebounds. He was awesome. 10 for 14 from the field, only one three-point attempt, so 10 for 13 from 2. He dominated. The Lakers won it 134 to 109. Which brings us to tonight's game against the Jazz, and boy, oh boy, it was a doozy. The la- I, I have to confess, I did start watching the game at the, in the middle of the second quarter. So I saw that Austin Reeves had nine points in the first quarter, which is, you know, at this point, typical of Austin Reeves. He's been playing such great basketball. He's been coming off screens and making really good reads. He's able to be off the ball and hit threes. He's good in transition. He was doing a little bit of everything and his three ball was falling in this one four for seven from three. Geeter even went as call as to call him even went as far as to call him the third best player on the Lakers. That's gonna be my pin question for today's uh, video. Is Austin Reeves the third best player on the Lakers to you? Because I still think it's D'Angelo Russell. I still think D'Lo is established in this league. In my opinion, he is an all-star caliber player. And to me, he has been an all-star caliber player since joining the Lakers again. Austin Reeves is really good. You can you can probably say he's had a better season, maybe. But I would still say D'Lo is the third best player on the team. But you never know. I mean, Geeter was big on Austin Reeves being the third best player. You let me know. But let's see. The Lakers let... By the way, I just want to say the Jazz didn't play anybody in this game. The Lakers were missing d and I have a feeling that his foot won't be as sore tomorrow, but Jazz are missing Jordan Clankson, Lowry Markinen, who in my opinion should be the most improved player in the league this year, Walker Kessler, who should probably be on the all-rookie first team. So they're missing three starters. And it should have been a game, you know, for the Lakers to come out and beat them up, but... The Lakers kind of played with their food. And, you know, LeBron said something really interesting after the game. He said, we didn't come into this game with the mentality of let's blow them out. We came into this game with the mentality of let's get a win. Kind of interesting to be saying that. Because I think a a blowout win would have made Laker fans a lot more at ease and probably would have helped your case. Because now the Lakers had a tough overtime game and have to travel back to L.A. And we haven't played since Saturday. But, you know, sometimes that can work both ways where you have – a team that's a little bit rusty as opposed to a team that's a little fresher, just played last night. But an overtime game against Utah is never easy, and especially with LeBron and AD. LeBron said after the game he's not even sure if he'll play. He said, got to put my feet in the cold tub, and we'll see how I feel tomorrow. So if LeBron doesn't play, that would be an absolute uh, huge benefit for the Clippers. Considering Paul George isn't playing, I really don't care. I'd rather LeBron rest or D'Lo rest. or just We need anything we can get at this point. I'm desperate for a win. The Lakers are playing better basketball than the Clippers right now. It's just a fact. But in this game, I don't know if that was the best example of that. Lakers were up 34-33 after one. I turned the game on in the second quarter, and they're starting to create separation in that second quarter. They won that quarter 34-24. Jared Vanderbilt, another game where he was hitting the three ball. Two for four from deep, but a strange decision by Darvin Ham to only play him 18 minutes. I also thought... Yeah, eighteen minutes in favor of heavy minutes for Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, AD, and LeBron. The Lakers were up sixty-eight to fifty-seven at the half. I thought it was another really strong half from Rui Hachimura, finishing around the basket, also hitting the mid-range. He was one for four from deep in the game, but seven for eleven from the field, so six. First seven from two for Rui, 17 points and six boards. The Lakers will take that all day long. No other Laker off the bench scored more than three points. Two for Wenyan Gabriel, three for Troy Brown Jr., who was one for four, and Malik Beasley, who was one for three, had three points as well in his return to Utah. So a combined eight points for the other three bench players. Lakers only going nine deep in this one. No Lonnie Walker, no Max Christie with D'Lo out. But the starters, I mean, they did the heavy lifting. I thought Anthony Davis was pretty dominant in the first half. You know, he's been killing people with that one move where he takes one dribble to his right, then spins back over his left shoulder. It's pretty lethal. And I love the way that AD's been a little more aggressive this season in terms of utilizing jump hooks and just going right into defenders' chests. I mean, when AD is on that type of time, he is absolutely a top ten player in the league. He is and one thing I've I've kind of been interested in seeing and I've noticed is It finally feels like LeBron and the Lakers have given AD the reins. We've been asking for this. I mean, Laker fans, I shouldn't say we, but Laker fans have been asking for this. And basketball fans have been asking for AD to take the reins and be that man of this team since they won that championship in the bubble. But he hasn't really done that. And he's obviously had injuries that, that have bothered him along the way. But it really feels like this year. I mean, Anthony Davis has been the best player for the Lakers this season. There's not much doubt about that for me. But then there's games like tonight where LeBron, you can still see he has that confidence. And a game where, you know, even though AD was getting double teamed, there were stretches, you know, especially when LeBron came out late in that third quarter, that AD's got to honestly shoot the mid-range before the double comes. Or, you know, try to go away from the double. I think he did a good job of attacking when they were doing the fake double, you know, loading up and not fully committing. thought he was doing a good job of putting it on the deck, getting inside the paint, hitting jump hooks, or going to the rim trying to get fouled. But I think that in a situation where your teammates aren't really hitting, you got to sometimes force things. you got to sometimes force things. I think LeBron didn't have any problem chucking up some threes, so I think Anthony Davis is also in his right uh, to take a couple of mid-range shots before the double comes, or over the double, honestly, but the double—he's when he's facing up, he turns and faces. He sees them coming. It's a little different than when he's posting up. And I think well, I gotta give AD credit. I think one of his biggest weaknesses when he first came here was passing out of the double team. And I think he's gotten a lot better at that. And you started to see that more in this game. But the Lakers went cold in the third quarter from three. And the Jazz—I thought the Lakers really kind of underestimated them. But at the same time, I got it. It's not just being underestimated. I've watched a couple games recently. Minnesota versus Portland was one Dallas versus Charlotte was another and this one you can put in the same category where You know the the team that's clearly favored fighting for a playoff spot fighting for a playing spot Not only underestimated the team a little bit, but these teams have nothing to lose They have young players that are just kind of been sitting on the benches a lot all season Looking to kind of you know make a name for themselves and in this game. It was a good, you know blast from the past getting a look at THT Dynamite playing against his former team. Oh, we miss THT, don't we? And the Laker fans probably don't really. But we know how good THT is going to his right hand. He had some really impressive finishes in this game. And even though he was extremely inefficient from the field, 33%, 7 for 21. He was 9 for 13 from the line. And he was the Jazz tied for the leading scorer for them. 23 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 steals. He got to the paint a lot. Had a couple of really nice finishes. This I think his name is Luka Samanich. He was pretty impressive. First pick in the 2019... I'm, I'm sorry, a 19th pick in the 2019 draft. So this is his fourth season. He was drafted to the Spurs. But this is, I guess, his first year with the Jazz. And he had some nice plays. Hit the three ball. There was one time where the Lakers ran him off the line and he had this nice drop-off pass. Uh, I forget to who. But the the Jazz took advantage of the Lakers' cold spell And outscored them 36-29 to in the third quarter. I thought one thing to look at going forward is Dennis Schroeder, he has a tendency to over-dribble. When AD is in the game without LeBron, obviously this is mitigated when D'Lo's there. But when AD is in the game without LeBron, there should be very few possessions where he doesn't touch the ball. I prefer AD isolation sometimes to Dennis Schroeder pick and roll with AD. Because then I think sometimes that's on AD, too. You know, I look at Darvin Ham throughout the game. There's a lot of times where he's letting them go. He's letting them call their own plays out there. Tyron Lewis, on the other hand, has been a guy that's been very anal about play calling the last couple of months, trying to call out every set, especially on dead balls. But Darvin Ham kind of lets LeBron, D'Lo, and them ride a little bit more. Dennis Schroeder, a couple times, you know, he's not only just over-dribbling, but get the ball to AD, man. Like, he thinks... Sometimes he'll be on the floor and it feels like he thinks he's the third guy. It really should be Austin Reeves and and, and uh, D'Angelo Russell. But other than that, Dennis plays really hard. He does other things and he finds a way to impact the game in a winning way. At the in the end of the, at the end of the day, he's been a really good pickup in terms of getting him back for the price that they got him back for. But AD went cold in the second half, and LeBron in the beginning of the second half also went cold. He was doing like this weird hesitation on his jumper, on the catch and shoot. And one thing I have to say, and you saw a little bit about it, a little bit of it in this game, is LeBron, I think the last two years, and I think this is part of what he tried to do to make Westbrook a little more comfortable, was he's trying to get better at catching and shooting from three ball. His catching and 3s have felt a lot more natural the last two years. There were shots that he was not taking really at all in 2021 and 2020, at least not quickly off the catch. He would hesitate a little bit, wait, survey, but most of the time just kind of attack closeouts or just pull it back out. Um, and usually LeBron's not on the receiving end of those kind of passes anyway. He's the controller. He's the one delivering the pass. But those first two years with the Lakers and then obviously those last couple years in Cleveland didn't really feel like he was catching and shooting from three. It never really been his M.O., But the last two years, it feels like he's gotten more comfortable at that. And he made one left corner three to break a little drought for the Lakers in that third quarter. But AD went cold. The double team was starting to work a little bit. And the fourth quarter was a good one. It looked like the Lakers had the game wrapped up, though. And I was surprised that Rui Hachimura wasn't closing. The Lakers are going with a lineup of... Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, LeBron, AD, and Troy Brown. I thought Rui Hachimura was going to close, given the way he had played. Or at the very least, Jared Vanderbilt, who was shooting 50% from three and obviously does a good job on the boards and plays really good defense. They went with Troy Brown, who wasn't really doing much at all. So questionable decision by Ham. And I don't think that is the reason it almost came back to bite. But Austin Reeves makes a left corner three. And by the way, LeBron had some nice finishes in transition, you know, Two, two or three occasional, he was pretty like stagnant for the most part, but two or three occasional nice dives to the basket and was found for them. He, he tried to posterize Kelly Olinick at one point and got fouled. Um, but Lakers were up by 10 after an Austin Reeves three made it 124 to 114. I thought the game was fully over. Jazz got a couple of baskets, but where it really turned was off, I think it was a LeBron miss or an AD in and out. It was AD in and out. They had both missed back to back. Kelly Olynyk pulls up from like 30 feet and banks it in, making it a two-point game with about 40 seconds left. Lakers miss again, and I believe THT went to the line, and they tied the game. LeBron got doubled at the top of the key on the last play, but they swing it back to him. And I have to say, it was a good cut by LeBron. Could have potentially maybe lobbed it to AD, had a man open in the corner, but I respect the decision to take the contested layup. It's LeBron James, and it's interesting. He said that's his strong hand. You know, LeBron's always been an ambidextrous guy. I know he writes with his left hand. He said that was his strong hand. He said he blew the layup. It was not an easy layup, but LeBron's one of the best finishers through contact we've ever seen. So for his high standards, he thinks he should have made it. Game goes to overtime. The Jazz have all the momentum. you got to give the Lakers credit, especially LeBron James. This was the first game since he came back from injury where he really looked like, oh, he's back. And listen, I've compared this LeBron injury and late return to the 2021 season, our first full season on Dime Dropper. And LeBron never really fully looked the same. He looked pretty good in games three and two against the Suns, especially the, you know by halftime of game four where he had that lob where he was, his nuts were literally on Mikael Bridges' neck. But he never had a 30-point game. Tonight he had a 30-point game and played into overtime. So I would have to say he looks better right now than he did back then, and the vibes are a lot better right now because that was a season where the Lakers started out great and started slipping. This is a season where they started 2-10, and ten, and the vibes have only increased in terms of positivity. I mean, you got he had the guys making animal goat noises in the locker room because of the performance that LeBron put up. Nine points in the overtime, a big three to tie the game to respond to the initial and one that Kelly Olynyk got off the tip-off. And he had a couple of nice defensive possessions on THT, staying strong and trying to move his feet. And speaking of moving their feet and staying strong, Dennis Schroeder, big-time defensive stops. A.D. got a big block late, but LeBron, he was able to get to the basket. He made two huge free throws to put the Lakers up one. And then the game winner, only his third game winner as a Laker. I believe the first one was against us in the bubble. It was like 19 seconds left where he put his own shot back in. I think he made one earlier this season. I forget who it was against. I think Indiana. No, they didn't beat Indiana. Oh, maybe he was going to be a game winner against Indiana, but that was when Nemhard made his shot. So this may have only been like his second game winner as a Laker. I think there was one more. There's no more than three, but it was an amazing move. Usually you see LeBron driving left and spinning over the right shoulder. This was they cleared the right side out, and he said he drew it up. LeBron said he drew it up, so got the coach on the floor, drew it up, isolated, hard drive right, spin over his left shoulder, double clutch through contact, finish off the glass. Beautiful finish by Bron. That's what great players do, make big plays. And on the last play, THT, maybe he ball hogged a bit, but he was the main man in this one. You know, Colin Sexton only played, and he'd been out for a couple of games. 16 points had 15 points on 50% shooting in 16 minutes So he got 14 shots up in 16 minutes. That was really cool to see and you know what else is really cool to see Kendrick, I'm sorry Kendrick Nunn. Chris Dunn From Providence 10 points four rebounds and four assists. That's some nice plays in this game including a fast break assist to a trailer I forget who that was. He was four for eight from the field and also Damian Jones was 3-for-3 three three from deep. I've never seen Damian Jones make a 3. Of course, that's former Laker Damian Jones who was traded with Juan Toscano Anderson for, uh, I believe, Vando and Beasley But, and obviously Westbrook. But, wow, 3-for-3 three three from deep, and the Lakers are letting him take all those. Uh, Oshai Agbaji also was really good. 22 points for him. He's a... Very underrated rookie. 14th pick in the draft. Came over in the Donovan Mitchell trade. 7 for 15 from the field and 4 for 8 from deep. And Kelly O'Linick was really good. 23 points, 7 boards, and 7 assists on 7 for 10 from the field and an amazing 4 for 4 from deep. But with the game winner and the big stop on THT on the last possession by Dennis Schroeder. Did a good job of a little hand check, then removed it. Took the hit. Hand up. Good D. Lakers win it. 135 to 133. They get, you know probably work harder than they thought they needed to but they won it by two in ot to make it four straight wins and they're seven and one in their last eight games heading into the big maybe the biggest and i'm saying this as a historian of the game hallway series matchup in nba history The other biggest candidates, 1992, last game of the season, Lakers needed to win to get in the playoffs, but the Clippers had already clinched, so I think this game holds more importance for both teams. There was also Kawhi and AD's debut. That was an amazing buzz around the building, but didn't have as much of an impact on long-term standings. And that was probably the most hyped-up one, though, even more than this. And then 2012 to win the season series in March. There was still about a month left in the season. That was the game where Andrew Bynum showed me he was the best center in the league that year. The Lakers win it 135-133. to 133, A huge win. Let's read the lines. already talked about Rui Hachimura with 17-6. and six. Dennis Schroeder had his bad moments, but also some really good moments in the fourth quarter. Made big shots. 18 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block for Dennis. Also only 2 turnovers. The Lakers had 11 turnovers. 5 of those were from LeBron, who had some terrible passes in the beginning of the fourth quarter. But everybody else did a good job taking care of the ball. Dennis Schroeder was 7 for 18 from the field, 1 for 5 from deep in 42 minutes, which is a lot. He honestly should have gotten a little bit less in favor of guys like Vando playing a little bit more. But the thing with Dennis, he shouldn't be shooting 18 shots to me. I'm sorry. It wasn't even just taking what the defense gives him. He was forcing it a bit. There's no way he should be shooting more shots than AD. I know AD got 12 free throw attempts and Dennis only has four. But AD should be getting 20 shots in an overtime game, even with the double team, because he can shoot over it. Before it comes, I said Vando, six points, only six points, two rebounds, two for four from the field, only 18 minutes. Um, You know, hopefully he doesn't play that much against the Clippers because I think he'll do a really solid job on Kawhi. Unless Kawhi is hitting. If Kawhi is hitting, there's nothing you can do. Austin Reeves, 28 points, six assists, three rebounds on eight for 13 shooting, four for seven from deep, and eight for eight from the line. I have to say, I saw a lot of complaining about officials on the timeline tonight. A lot of it, obviously, from guys that don't want the Lakers to win. And from a really unbiased perspective, I think there were bad calls both ways. I think the Lakers got some, you know, calls throughout the game. But then in the fourth quarter, I thought the Jazz, I mean, AD was called for some really bad ones around the rim. So I think the the winner was fair and square, man. There wasn't even that many boos from the Jazz fans that I can remember. But Austin Reeves continues to be incredible. 28.6 assists. Anthony Davis, 21 points, 14 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, a little bit of everything, Uh, doing a great job on the glass, 4 offensive rebounds, including a big one that found LeBron for those 2 free throws, and got to give LeBron credit making the big free throws too. He was clutch in this game, no doubt. AD, 7 for 16 from the field, just missed a couple of chippies that he usually makes. I like that he didn't take any threes but was 7 for 12 from the line. The free throws are a big concern for AD. He's got to hit those. There's been a couple games this season that have been decided with him not even not making foul shots. And then the main man tonight, the player of the game, LeBron James. 37 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. I already mentioned the 5 turnovers. 14 for 27 from the field, so he got his shots up there. 3 for 10 from deep, so one too many 3-ball. 6 for 6 on the line, though. That's big. And overall, shot well from the field, 14 for 27, 37 points in 38 minutes. The Lakers win it 135 to 133. They now have the exact same record as my Clippers at 41 and 38. And so do the Golden State Warriors. No, actually, the Warriors are half a game above both with 42 and 38. And Andrew Wiggins is back. As I said, I kept saying on the podcast, my prayers go out to Andrew Wiggins because I had heard that his dad is really struggling and, you know, Close to being not in this world, sadly. And I knew he was trying to spend as much time with him as possible. So, you know, my best wishes to Andrew Wiggins. It's good to see or hear that he was back on the court. I didn't watch the game. Um he didn't oh he didn't play yet. So he's still yet to return. But the Warriors win a big one, even without Klay Thompson and Wiggins. Curry had 34, 5, and 6, and Jordan Pooh had 30. Uh Chenzo had 16, 6 and 5. Draymond Green, 17-9-5, two steals and two blocks. That's nine rebounds and five assists. But Curry, 34 points, six for 13 from three. Big win for the Warriors over the Thunder. And now the Warriors stand in the five spot, which honestly, if it ended today, I would love that. Warriors versus Suns in the first round. KD versus Steph. KD versus the Warriors. Clippers versus the Kings. Kings. And by the way, shout out to the Sacramento Kings, won the Pacific Division, made the playoffs for the first time since my first year watching basketball like that, 05-06. So happy for the Kings fans. I sympathize so much. Congratulations to you all. I can't wait. To potentially see you in the playoffs because, damn it, I would rather play you than the Suns. And I know that the Kings are going to be using that as motivation. Everyone wants to play the Kings, but playoff basketball is a different animal. And it's going to be so hard to win in Sacramento. I know that. But I would rather play that than D-Buck and KD. And right now they haven't lost a game together, D-Buck, KD, and those guys. I would rather see the Kings. And, man, if the Clippers get the Kings and then the Grizzlies potentially in round two, that's an ideal route to the conference finals. And hopefully to find their chemistry, get Paul George back. But that's really wishful thinking. The Clippers are not playing good basketball, and they may not even make the play-in if they don't start getting their shit together. But they'll make the play-in. But I don't want to be in the play-in. And a huge game, maybe the biggest, in hallway series history between the Clippers and the Lakers on Wednesday I also want to say Marcus Morris Sr. returned to practice today. Listen, I still believe what everybody said that he was bitching and he didn't, you know, he didn't want to play. People have told me that they felt like he was going to be done for the season, clearly they were wrong on that. He returned back, but now they're saying he has lower back tightness. Like I'm really confused. Did he have COVID? It sounds like he didn't. Multiple people say he didn't, he wasn't sick, so he didn't travel with the team. Maybe they just gave him time to cool down. But he was wearing a starter's uniform in practice today. And I believe Tomer's article, I mean, Batum started right when he was out with COVID. It's a really weird situation. It's very weird. We'll see what happens. Did Eric Gordon's injury make room for senior again, even though Ty had taken him out of the rotation? I don't know. But we'll see. Thank you for joining me, though. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Remember, you, leave, you can re- leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you thought, Laker fans. I haven't talked about the Lakers in a little while, but that was a pretty comprehensive 40-minute recap, wouldn't you say? Peace out. Huge one on Wednesday, and I'll obviously be live for that one. The most popular night of the season.